Games, and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man whose magna opus was composed in the key of badass, Mr. Lord Baumgarten, Lauren! <laughs> Oh my god, if you guys could only see this happening. If you could only smell what I How hear. many episodes have you and I done together, Brent? Uh, well over 200, 200 at this point, yeah, right? Well over 200 now. 200 episodes. I believe that's the first time I've ever watched you do the opening. We're on it. We were on a Skype call. I was watching him do that. Yep. That was profound, my friend. It's like Mark Hamill said, if I knew people were watching me when I did the voice for the Joker, I'd never do it the way I do it. sometimes sometimes you just got to go a little insane to get these things right well fortunately for that's the new tagline for my my cologne hang on fortunately for the outlaws i'm actually recording this and we'll be posting it promptly on youtube (laughs) yeah fortunately for all of us uh no and i appreciate the opening because it is true in fact that my magnum opus was composed uh in the key of badass as is every piece that i compose yes indeed uh, there is a Brent. There is a lot, uh, a lot happened in gaming in the last four or five days. All of a sudden, you are not kidding. It, it, it's one of those periods in the year where oftentimes we find ourselves searching for things to to talk about, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of stuff dropped in our lap, and we're going to talk about all of it. However, before we get there, there is one thing that I would like to say. As many as many of you are aware at this point, there was a very, very serious natural disaster that uh, occurred over the, the weekend. There was a 7.9 magnitude earthquake in Nepal that has uh, has done some very, very serious damage. The death toll is already in the thousands and is still climbing, unfortunately. And I just wanted to say, because I know that we have some listeners in that area of the woods, and um, and I know also, thanks to Facebook, of all things, that they are okay. Uh, this is actually something I'd read about a long time ago, but the first time I'd seen it put into practice. But Facebook has this, has this feature that uh, in times of some sort of natural disaster or something like that, people can go onto Facebook and mark themselves as safe so that friends and family know that that they are okay in in you know light of you know whatever the disaster was and and two people uh who have been uh listeners for a long time uh did that and so i'm very happy to hear that uh, that they are okay i hope that uh, their friends and family are likewise but anyway just wanted to uh to give a shout out to to everybody who is is reeling from uh from that unfortunate turn of events and uh, i hope that uh, the people that you love are are safe and doing okay because Unfortunately, uh, there's a whole lot of people that that's not the case for. Indeed. Well, that's good news, Brent. I'm glad to hear that that's the case. I did not realize that we had Nepalese fans. We got fans all over. What are you talking about? Na- we do. We na- do. Ha- name we- a country, Lauren. Name a country. Kafiristan. We got fans. Kafiristan. Uzbekistan. If, if, if anybody can, uh, can come up with the, uh, what the reference to Kafiristan is, um, that'll be, you, you'll, get, uh, you'll get 13 outlaw points for that. Because that was a good movie. Oh, speaking of which, yes. it just occurred to me that, that I have a copy of Infamous Second Son. Did we ever give that away? No, we didn't. We ought to, though. I have a free copy on the PS4 of Infamous Second Son, and so we got to come up with something maybe mm. for next week uh, for us to give it away. Who wants that game? Come on. Uh, it's a good game. All right, Brent, let's, let's head into the garage and start talking games, because there is a lot to talk about this week, and we're going to start off... You ain't kidding. Uh, 
The garage seems like an appropriate place for a Mad Max trailer. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Uh, Mad Max, the, uh, the upcoming game. Who's making it? I can't remember who's making this game, but uh, cool I don't know why I want to say Volition, but it's not Volition. It's, it's cool people doing cool stuff. I'll look it up right now. The, uh, <laughs> um, I can't the, remember the, either. Mad Max uh, put out a gameplay video, and before, I kind of want to, well, you and I have not talked about this at all, Brent. Uh, I know it's a game that, uh, uh, a property that you and I are both, we're both very yes. much looking forward to the film, which comes out in just a couple of weeks. Mad Max Fury Road, gonna rock your face right through your face. It's, face. it's it looks Avalanche so good. Studios, it looks incredible. Avalanche but the game could go either way. It's Avalanche Studios, yes, yes yeah. from the makers of Just Cause. Of Just which Cause, is a, which is what we should have thought of. A proud, proud pedigree. This is why we never did the show in Skype, because we're so distracted by each other's male beauty that, you know, details and memory go right out the window. That's exactly right. So um, we got our first gameplay video, Brent, and I want to... What did you think of the gameplay video? I'm curious to hear what you thought. I'm disappointed, to be honest with you. Uh, As was I, actually. This gameplay overview trailer, we love the format or or the vid doc, uh, you know, format is, you know, in the comments for last week's show, Rowan was... Uh, was was saying yeah that's kind of how I was, I've always referred to them and I, I you know it's as good as name as any and uh, but you know the, the kind of uh, the that, that Red Dead Redemption esque vid doc format you know hey here's here's gameplay here's what you're going to be doing here's an explanation of the game mechanics that only really works well if you actually tell us some shit and this video showed a lot and it was but it was short on tell I didn't feel like they went in, into enough detail about any of the game systems that I wanted to know about whether that was the customizations. The armor upgrade, customizations for the car, to be specific. The armor upgrades, uh, the way that factions are going to work within the game, the way that uh, you know you can interact with the denizens of uh, the Mad Max world, and you can you got you got to do things for them to upgrade like their compounds or whatever, and then in turn they will do shit for you. Not enough detail about any of that. They say, "Oh, this is going to be in here, and you're going to do this," and then they move on to something else. And I just I need more. I agree, and it was on top of that. What they did show, Brent, I, I wasn't overly impressed with. I mean, I, I read an article. No, it just seemed uh, like same I, old, same old. It, it did. It, it kind of felt. It felt like a weird combination of. I don't know. I want to say like sort of like uncharted and rage, um, in, in not a, a good way. I mean, it kind of. <laughs> Yeah, the the world felt like caveat. rage, which which is not a good thing, and and the uncharted piece of it, the graphics felt almost like uncharted one or maybe uncharted two, and I don't and, think I um, get that far, but all right, they, I don't know. They so, some of the graphics when they were driving around, I thought looked really compelling. Uh-huh. Um, the graphics during the fighting, I didn't think were that compelling. I didn't think the animations were that compelling during the hand to hand combat. I, I read an article that uh, compared the hand to hand combat. They 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 use the term. Batman-esque fighting, and I have to say that, like, I did not get that sensation at all. Um, I, I did in this. Okay, well, it, it, here's the caveat. I did in the sense that in watching this trailer, and this was the first time I'd really considered this, although maybe I knew it and forgot. But in watching this trailer, I was like, oh, they're going to do Batman fighting, you know, because you're seeing like the little lightning bolt above the guy's head that says, "Hey, I'm about to attack you, Mad Max," and uh, and better get out of the way. But um, the fact that I tell you what kind of keyed it off for me that this okay well this is sort of an older Batman incarnation or you know Batman fighting incarnation is the fact that when he's got somebody up against the wall and he's wailing on them all of all of the other bad guys are just hanging back like waiting for him to finish and yeah, I kept right. waiting for like somebody come like running up to, like hit him with a pipe and he just like you know back with an elbow and then back to hitting the guy and exactly. yeah I was yep. waiting on it was like iterate and it didn't like, happen like, it didn't it happen the next I mean, level and it didn't happen. 
it really felt like some of those old kung fu movies where there's like 30 guys around you, mm-hmm. but they but only one guy does anything to you at any one That's time. Exactly. They're like, wait and until so Bob gets his ass kicked, then move in. Yeah, I mean, you're really you're fighting one guy thirty times right, instead yeah. of fighting thirty guys, and that's the that's the sensation I got. And and then on top of that, and it's not on top of that what they showed about the customization or what they showed about you know sort of the the UI, the interaction, the menus looked super bare bones and basic, and and uh, you know it, it's not that it looked bad, but nothing about it got me excited, and nothing about it looked. The only time that I I was going to say looked really good, and there were a couple moments with the car. Where I was like, "Wow, that looks badass!" Yeah. Like, the way that, like it's, like, but it was where at, it used, a, like that claw on the chain to like rip the tire off of another vehicle, and some of that, uh, some of that stuff. I, I was, I was pretty jazzed about. I gotta say, that was, I, I would say, maybe out of two minutes and thirty seconds, that was a total of maybe twenty seconds of it, you mm-hmm. know. And so, um, I, I was very underwhelmed. I mean, I, of course, we'll look forward to seeing more, um, uh, more footage, but but at this at, at the moment, I, I got to say I'm a little underwhelmed. Yeah, I am too. I, I really I really want this to be awesome, and, and I really want it to kick ass. And and I hope that I I, I hope that there's more substance there. But I, I am I'm feeling a little bit skeptical about it right now. But uh, as much as I love Mad Max, I really want to like this game too. So it's going to be one I'm going to be I'm going to be you know ear to the grind or ear to the pavement uh, after it comes out and kind of see what the what the hype on it is. Now onto something, Brent, that uh, I couldn't be more polar opposite about. So there's, I, t- I said to you before we started recording that I can't wait for the show to be over, right. so I can go watch another 13 minute video of The Witcher Three. Right. And the more I watch of this game, the more excited I get. Uh, Gamespot put out a three part series recently, uh, in which, in the middle of the second video, they talked. They actually referred to it as sort of Red Dead Redemption in the Witcher world. Um, this, what we're talking about today is an article that came, I believe from IGN titled how the Witcher three embraces both veterans and newcomers. Um, and I think Brent, it's a really interesting article and it's a conundrum that many, many, uh, series face about how do you bring in newcomers into your series when there's so many games worth of lore and actually what the Witcher three looks to be doing, uh, uh, I, I think is is really a step in the right direction. They've acknowledged all over the place that uh, that The Witcher Two was was not particularly inviting to newcomers to the series. Uh, that it was overly difficult. There wasn't a lot of explanation. There wasn't a lot of sort of explanation of the lore and the history. Yeah. And they've really gone out of so far out of their way actually to address it that they've almost removed the number three from this game. Whenever they talk about it. They they move, they talk about it and they call it the Witcher Wild Hunt. Right. They don't even refer to it as the Witcher Three, even though it's still. And if you look at the logo, they moved the three from the side into the middle of the logo to look like a claw mark, uh, and it's there. But again, they don't even refer to it as Witcher Three. But there's do, do all these other that's mechanics. Kind of like smart branding, like well, I mean, like like people like you and I, like oh, if we're going to play the third game in a series, we got to play the first two, and they're sort of trying to ease that transition they're trying to like remove as many obstacles for newcomers to the series as they can so they're like oh it's a three but just barely i i, I abs- as a matter of fact they have said that huh. uh, and i absolutely believe here, i thought i divined uh, something uh good here but uh you did but you're just thinking like they're brilliant minds and no true. they have absolutely Ooh. said that and and, and they're smart Brent, because i have played now. both the witcher one a little bit and the witcher two a little bit mm-hmm. and I-, I wasn't if you remember planning on getting the witcher three because those games did not draw me in as an as somebody new to the franchise. That's and before you saw the Witcher Three colon Wild Hunt in the same sentence with the words like and Red Dead Redemption. 
essentially, yes. I mean, I didn't. So if you remember, Brent, before we heard that, I said I watched this video for The Witcher 3 and I emailed it to you and I said, mm-hmm. Brent, you got to look at this. When I watch this video, it looks exactly like the beginning of Red Dead Redemption. Yep. Uh, and and uh, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there's there, it, they have changed up a lot of the mechanics, uh, a, a, a significant number of the mechanics in a way to make them a little bit more affable, but not necessarily made the game easier or dumbed down, it looks like. And hopefully not. Um, it's a very interesting article. I highly encourage people to check it out and read about what they're doing to sort of entice new players into the Witcher franchise. The thing for me is that. Uh, they they talk a lot about uh, a lot of the thrust of this article is about trying to be all things to all people, which is a difficult thing. It's very difficult to make a game that's going to appeal to the hardcore fans of the series, but also be inviting and welcoming to to people like you and I who who only have minimal exposure or people who have never played a Witcher game before. It's a difficult uh, and it's, it's a tightrope walk. It's it's a balancing act. And I hope that they have been able to do that because the promise of developing a game that's going to have all of those elements, that's going to allow uh, stalwart fan, fans of the franchise and people like me to really dive in and enjoy that game on the same level. I, it, well, not the same level. I won't have all the context that context uh, context for it that they do, but uh, can hopefully enjoy the game despite all that. I really want that to be the case. I really, really hope that they have been able to uh, to accomplish that because the game looks so fucking good. It, I, you know, I really, Brent, I'm, I'm, I'm so encouraged by what I'm seeing from this game because I get the sense that they are doing exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, and uh, God, there's more that I want to say, but I really want to stay away from anything that might even be a minor spoiler. For people, we're just a couple of weeks away, but I am. I ah, God damn, I keep getting more and more excited. So, all right, well, here's something um, you can stop getting excited about. Silent yeah, no Hills, shit. Guillermo del Toro, Hideo Kojima, Ugh. Norman Reedus. It's gone. It's dead. It's fucking canceled. Stick a fork in it. It's <laughs> it's raw chicken. Don't eat it though. Um, man, this is so this is so disappointing. I am very. Very disappointed by this, and it's not a complete shocker, obviously. No, right? in mean, light of what's going on with Konami and Kojima right now, they're kind of having a, a messy breakup, I guess. Well, and this is so. What we're linking to here is the official announcement by Konami or the official confirmation. Oh yeah, but this, the, the, the rumors all weekend were, you know, right. Guillermo del Toro made some statement at a, I guess at a, like at a, at a con or a film festival or something where he just he's, right, and then Norman Reedus confirmed on it on Twitter and. and yeah. um, and it's not so. It's I mean, it's obviously not a surprise relative to that, and, and sort of based on what's been going on with Kojima and Konami, it's not a total surprise. But I, I it, it is a bit of a shock to me, Brent, given that uh, the, I can't even imagine how much money they put into the PT demo. I, I don't know, but uh, they ain't getting it because that that's going too. It's not like they're going to do anything with that. That's coming down April thirtieth, which is later this week. So yep. it's uh, yeah. I, I, I'm super bummed, man, because I, I love Norman Reedus. I love. I love that they were doing a new version of this with Norman Reedus in particular. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Konami's just, so did you see also in a, in a different article they talked about uh, today announced that Konami pulled themselves off the New York Stock Exchange as well? What? No. Yes. No, I now, did so not see that. They're saying that, that, that most of good. Their, no, it, it doesn't. But they're saying most of their stock trades on the uh, the, uh, the London and the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Okay. And that on the New York Stock Exchange, they're spending about $5 million a year in in fees to be on the New York Stock Exchange. And it's just not paying off for them? That, that's, that's, that's what they're saying. Now, I, it, it, oh, amidst man. all of this, it certainly does not sound good. I, I was going to say, like that, that sounds 
That sounds bad. That sounds really bad. Yeah, I mean, essentially, the three stories are we, they remove Kojima from all of the media associated with Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. They cancel Silent Hills, and now they remove themselves from the New York Stock Exchange. That's not if you're looking at like, like a, a, trend a trended line. graph. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't. I don't think that's going in the right it's direction. Heading, man. It's heading from up here to way down here. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I'm I'm super bummed about Silent Hills. I hope that I I hope there's another Silent Hills game, but honestly, with what's going on at Konami, I, I'd be nervous about what they're going to do with it. I, I don't have the affinity for the series that you do. My excitement for this game was really more to do with the fact that I, I thought the collaboration of Hideo Kojima uh, and uh, and I might Guillermo del Toro yes, and Guillermo del Toro. I might have mispronounced Kojima-san's name there. Anyway. The, the collaboration between them, the, the idea that, that someone who had such fantastic sensibilities when it comes to, to gameplay and innovating, and someone who had such great sensibilities about storytelling and, and horror and so forth, and the fact that Norman Reedus was going to be involved, who, who I've been a fan of since Boondock Saints way back when, um, all, it, just, it just seemed like, oh, that's the right recipe. It's like something like you read the ingredient list on this recipe, and you're like, I want to eat that. <laughs> and, then, and then somebody says, well, you're going to eat it. You're going to eat it right the fuck up in just a couple of years. Oh, never mind. As a ma- wait, no, wait. You skipped part of that discussion. As a matter of fact, I prepared you a giant plate of samples. <laughs> Why don't you just and taste like, these? And aren't they the most amazing, oh, delicious, delicious things? it's delicious. It's delicious. So they're like, well, we're glad you like that because it's all you're ever going to get, kid. And then they come out from the kitchen an hour later and go, ooh, sir, you know, we, I didn't know at the time, but we ran out of no, those. What, what it's like is like up on, the, up on the placard, up on the board, like showing, you know, like what they've got, like just this, this hand sort of snakes out from around behind the sign and takes the words Hideo Kojima away and you're like wait what <laughs> that's exactly what's going right on? and then like over on the other side like Guillermo del Toro like like his name disappears you're like what's what's happening here wait wait I already ordered that and then Normus and then like Norman Reedus walks by and it's like oh yeah shit's gone actually now that I kind of said that I'm surprised they hadn't already put up pre-orders for this game um I'm surprised as well but uh it it, it I guess it's probably just as well if they didn't but I mean honestly the fact that they announced the game and didn't the same day offer pre-orders for it? Let's face it, that is a rare thing in this day and age. And which meant it probably was never a real game. Um, oh, good point. All right, Brent, let's move on to the final thing in, uh, in the garage. Let me try that again. All right, Brent, let's move into the final thing in the garage, and that is, and we knew this was coming over the weekend, a new trailer came out. Yes, indeed. For the upcoming Batman Arkham Knight. And not just a new trailer, Brent. No, not just that. But some gameplay details and character details. Yeah, and, and actually pretty pretty big ones considering. Um, as opposed to being relegated only to DLC, we found out that Nightwing, Robin, and Catwoman are going to be in the game to some capacity and that you're going to be able to play as them. Kind of. What we're... What we've gotten is actually, I would, I would say that the media coverage on this has been somewhat conflicting, but or malinformed. Either either way you want to look at it, but uh, the fact is, we are hearing a couple of different versions of this. I think that the the the, mo- the simplest version and what is probably true and accurate is that you are going to have fight scenes in Batman: Arkham Knight in which Batman is fighting bad dudes and maybe bad ladies as well. I don't know. Alongside Nightwing, Robin, Catwoman, and that during the fight, you can switch from playing as Batman to playing as one of those other characters. And we presume that there is some really super cool 
reason you'd want to do that because outside of playing as Catwoman, I could give a fuck about playing as Nightwing or Robin when I could be playing as fucking Batman. But that's just me. But the point is that this game is about democracy. And if you don't want to play as Batman as bad as you want to play as Robin, this game is there for you. Um, but here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, though. Some of the media outlets on this are saying it's going to be like a GTA 5 style thing where you can switch characters. And I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. I don't think that at any time during this game you can, you know, like plop out of Batman's body and go over and plop into Catwoman's body, although I really like the sound of that. <laughs> and then <laughs> on the other side of the city. On the other side of the city and play you know, play play some angle of the story from her perspective. I don't I mean, certainly I'm not seeing any details from official sources saying that. If that's the case, I'm all for it. But I don't want people to get their hopes up unnecessarily because based on what we're reading, it really doesn't sound like that. What that that's what's going on. It looks like it's relegated to fight scenes, but it's one of those things that we don't. I don't. I've not yet been able to find an official thing from Rocksteady that really explains exactly what this is. And the trailer, the the trailer certainly does not make it seem like it's going to be a GTA Five style uh, body swap thing. Yeah, I agree, Brent. There's not so not not one of the outlets has actually linked to a press release or printed a press release right. that I've seen that specifies that. And so I, I agree that the the sort of painting a picture of his GTA style is is uh, in my opinion at least premature, yeah. if not entirely misleading. Because um, it, would, it would give you an expectation for a kind of gameplay that might not be there. Right, that you could like go to another part of the city as somebody else. Which now, would be awesome. from what I saw, so they're calling they're call, they act. So what they said was, and this is why I don't understand how these media outlets confuse this. But they they said that uh, Rocksteady has said that it's being called dual play mode, yeah. which so that I mean we, we don't we have no idea really what that means. My feeling is, so it's a, it, it it would intimate that it's a separate mode. Yeah. So is it something you choose the way to play through it? Is it a could you play through all of the story and co-op we don't i mean maybe we don't know maybe it's something you unlock in new game plus um there were some scenes that were shown in the trailer where you're uh you know of course they tell you that you can switch back and forth uh in the press release but in the trailer we see some scenes where they're working together where batman for example takes i can't remember i think it was robin i think it might have been nightwing i can't remember Mm -hmm. takes robin uh by (laughs) yes i'm gonna say this takes robin let me take notes on this Go ahead. He does what Ta- with Robin? He takes Robin by his pole. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and call child um, services right now. Uh, and and there's there's a, there's another scene in which they show Robin's has one of the criminals. He's behind him. He's got him like in a in a half Nelson or a full Nelson. And Batman jumps down from a gargoyle that's above him and and lands a blow on the the person that Robin is holding. Yeah. And so so it's hard to tell if this is a if this is just you swapping between characters in a fight or if you're if it's playing along with another uh person i'm I'm not sure i'm not sure about that either but one thing i am sure of is that the title of this episode is lands a blow (laughs) oh really it's not grabbing robin by his pole (laughs) that's just explicit i mean subtlety is the art of it. that's right so the other things we saw brent in the reveal today were uh the character of Azrael is in the game obviously uh which which may he may or may not be playable um uh also guy this is the first. Um, this is the first Batman in the Arkham series to receive an M rating in North America. Uh, that's true. 
That's very true. Yeah, we also we also learned that for sure today. And they talked about how they really just felt like uh, while they're not going overboard on gore or blood, but they felt like certain things needed to be in the story, and that if they m- removed them, it would completely compromise the story. And so, and I was very glad to hear that. Frankly, I, I, I'm I'm happy to hear it. I hope that the reason is because there's an achievement in the game called Crowbar Unlocked, in which the Joker beats Robin's bitch ass to death. Uh, but that remains to be seen. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brent, uh, uh, awesome trailer. I, I, uh, I, am, I am getting more and more excited. I probably would be just going absolutely bananas if I didn't have The Witcher to look forward to was, in the next three weeks. Exactly which what I was going to say. Is like, I'll be excited for this later. Right now, excited for The Witcher 3. That's kind of how I feel right now. It's a little, my excitement is a little bit compartmented, but um, some interesting stuff coming out about, about Batman, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more in the coming weeks. Welcome back to the clubhouse. Everybody grab a chair, pull it up, sit in it, and then let's talk about some stuff, because, man, we got some stuff to talk about. Before we talk about it, though, we have a poll from last week, and Lauren's going to talk about that. Lauren, what are our poll results? That's right, Brent. We talked last week about the value of cinematic game trailers the value is on the heels. <laughs> um, uh, I think the audience might disagree with you, Brent, but this was came on the heels of the Star Wars Battlefront um, reveal trailer, which was uh, a cinematic trailer yes. that was very enticing, but cinematic In engine, though, don't forget about that. In engine. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Brent put up a poll, and he asked you guys a question. He said, what's your take? on cinematic game trailers, and this is how the answer shook out. There were four of them to choose from. Coming in in very last place was the answer, I find them heinous and deceptive. 4% of you said that. So not too many people felt super aggressive uh, negatively about that cinematic game trailers were a negative thing. Coming in with 10% of the vote was, I don't pay much attention to them, really. Uh, Coming in with 17% of the vote, I think they're great. They get me pumped to play the actual game. Um, And I will say that the Battlefront uh, trailer had that effect on me. Um, and then coming in with a, an overwhelming 70%, Brent, uh, was they're fun to watch, but I don't put much stock in them, yeah. uh, which I think is, is probably where, you know, where I would shake out. Yeah, I mean, I, I like watching them. I do enjoy them. I, as a, as a and you, and, and I think most of our audience as informed consumers and gamers recognize that they are not representative of actual gameplay footage. That's right. Um, and I like watching them, but, but they, uh, I, I don't put much stock in them, and I wait to see some actual gameplay before I get too, too. Uh, bought into what they're trying to do so before you can get to where lauren and i are with the witcher 3 gotta have gameplay you don't get here with you don't get here with cinematics you show us some gameplay we will take our pants off and we will show you something let me that's it and i'll tell you now that brent and i are on skype he's not kidding he's not uh, uh, all right, Brent. So this week's topic wow. is an interesting one that just kind of, again, in addition to sort of a lot of the gameplay videos that have been coming out over the last week, we've had uh, a couple of sort of bigger news topics, and this was one of them. Yeah, there is. A, I, I will. I will say that this is a kind of a PC centric topic. If you're a console only gamer, uh, you might not really care about this that much, except for the fact that it's important. And, and I think that it's going to have. I think it's going to have some profound, long-lasting effects on not just the PC side of the industry, but the industry overall. And what we're talking about is mods. Mods for games um, are, as, as you're probably aware, user-generated content made by the community to supplement games. Uh, one of the most popular games for this is Skyrim. And Valve announced late last week that they are going to start a new program in which people who create mods, which traditionally have been free 
and just shared freely within the community. Uh, Valve has announced a program where people who who distribute mods through the Steam Workshop are now going to have the option to charge for those mods and to keep uh, a portion of the profits. Of course, Valve gets some of the money, and then also the the company that made the game, in the case of Skyrim, that's Bethesda, uh, they're going to get some of the money too. And basically, as soon as that happened, everybody lost their fucking minds. And there has just been this enormous and very contentious reaction to this. Uh, some people very much in favor, some people very much not in favor. And there's accusations that uh, this is going to destroy modding, that, uh, that, that Valve, by introducing money into the equation, has ruined everything that modding stands for, that this is going to lead to shitty mods, it's going to lead to shitty business practices, exploitation, uh, and, 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 and the rape of dogs that as well. So it's, <laughs> it's been really, really heated. Uh, there's a change.org petition that's been signed by, I think over a hundred thousand people at this point. Uh, I'll, I'll, I've, I haven't gone and looked at the petition. I've seen it reported. So I should clarify, uh, that, uh, that supposedly a hundred thousand people have signed that at this point, asking valve to reverse on this decision. Uh, Gabe Newell did a, did an ask me anything, on Reddit uh, that you can't see any of his responses because everybody's downvoted them so much. You got to like actually go to his profile to see what he said uh, in re- in regards to some of these things. But the, the position that Gabe has, the position that Gabe has taken for valve is that we know that these things can sometimes be controversial and we know that there can be growing pains, but we are very optimistic that this is going to, in the long run, be uh, a really good thing for gamers, for modders, and for developers. And we'll talk about maybe some some hypothetical scenarios in which this could be a good thing as we get into this discussion. But first and foremost, I'll switch uh, over to Lauren here and just ask him for uh, for his overall reaction. So, hey, Lauren, what's your overall reaction? <laughs> uh, well, there's there's a few things here, Brent. So first of all, we're we're actually linking you guys to four separate stories slash video uh, on this topic. One from IGN, one from PC Gamer, the Jim Quiz, a Jimquisition video, and one from uh, Polygon. So there's, there's obviously there's a lot here to look at. It's interesting because so I, I actually I, I like Jim's uh, Jim Sterling, uh, who, who I'm not in general a huge huge fan of, but I like what he has to say uh, on this subject, and I encourage people. To check out his video, it's about nine minutes long. Um, it's a complicated issue, uh, Brent, and, and, and as Jim said, and I, and I agree with that. I think that, um, and I also think, Brent, this isn't a PC only issue. I think console gamers should perk up their ears because, I, you know, there is a question of, you know, ultimately mods are user generated content, yes. right? And so, where does this go for games like, for example, the Golf Club or Little Big Planet? All, all good points. That that offer user generated content, and if it, if Steam's doing it, why wouldn't they charge you for levels on Little Big Planet? So the creator who puts fifty, sixty, hundred hours into creating this amazing level mm-hmm. can make a dollar per sale, and that 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 uh, media media molecule can take a part of that, and Microsoft can take a part of that. So I think this is uh, very very relevant to uh, console gamers as well. Um, why you would say? Microsoft get a piece of that? The same reason Valve does. No, but, I mean Little Big Planet is not on Microsoft platforms oh i guess you're right in that case it would be sony <laughs> uh you're right you're 100 percent right. right um so um 
Yeah, this is a tough one, Brent, because so there's there's a couple of things. And, um, uh, you know, first of all, I, you know, these some of these mods, many of these mods are, are incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. Yes. Um, yes. Ma- many of them fix fundamentally broken aspects of the games. unofficial patch series for Skyrim. There's the, you know, the unofficial Skyrim patch, the unofficial high resolution patch, unofficial yep. Dawn Guard, Dragonborn, Hearthfire patches. I, I mean, like like there, there are things fucked with the game. That the community has taken upon themselves to fix, where the developer didn't fix them, and, and right, and it's hard to say. Like, I mean, these guys put in like tens, if not hundreds, of hours building who, this who stuff, knows? right? I mean, some of these mods and they're have brilliant been in development so, for years. I, I absolutely cannot begrudge those people and those teams uh, the right to say earn money off of them. Absolutely not, and 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 more um, to the point. I mean, the and it's not just oh, you know, like it fixes a bug that existed within the game. There are mods out there that fundamentally improve the experience of the game. And I don't and I don't just mean like oh, there's a mod where you can fly an X-wing fighter around Skyrim, which I was told about just just last night. But I mean, there are quest there are quest <laughs> mods that you know add. Really, that's a thing. That's a thing, apparently. But there are uh, quest mods that add tens of hours of new gameplay, new storylines. You know, there's people that have gone in and done voice acting for characters. Um, that they've done voice acting to create, uh, you know, localization versions of the uh, of the audio stuff. I mean, there are mods out there that fundamentally improve your experience to the game, extend your ability to play the game, add all new stories and stuff like that. I mean, the the, the range of mods can be as little as. Oh hey, there's like this there's like this thing in this room that bugged me and so I made a mod that removed it all the way up to we basically wrote a game that takes place within Skyrim and it's got voice acting and it's like this really cool story and yada 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 and we worked on you know it was like a team of 12 people working on it for 2 years. Like that's the range of mods. It, it is and and, and uh, you know I, I, I again I'm very hard pressed to to say that that these people who do this amazing work don't deserve any money well, so at least I, they I think don't they deserve do. the option you know like if if because there's they deserve to to have the option and it's their choice and that that's that's the big thing right. is that my feeling is if they want to give it away for free out of some sense of community or that you know that's just that's just what they're doing for like hey this is a hobby i'm not looking to make money off of it i just do it for the love and they want to put it out there for free i think they should be free to do that if on the other hand you're a person who is like hey i'm i'm really struggling to you know to dedicate time to this because i got a full-time job and i really love working on this but it takes time away from feeding myself and my family or whatever i would like to get a little bit of compensation i think that's totally valid too and i have to say that i I understand. Jim makes uh, a, a good point in his video, which is you don't change people's thinking overnight. And the fact that people are upset about you know, mods, which for all the time that there's been such a thing as mods, they've been free. And the fact that um, the fact that Valve is now saying you can charge for them, I totally understand that people are going to have just an adverse reaction to that, if nothing else, out of the, hey, it's different today. Fuck that. Um, and, and I totally understand that. Well, different in a way that costs me well, money. Cert- certainly, certainly. Well, yeah. any change that I mean, any change in general, right. people, it's t- just people tend to you know freak out about a little bit. But yes, that's that's very that's well. Very and certainly, true. gamers have watched the erosion of. I mean, DLC used to yeah. be free, and we've and, and we've watched the erosion and bastardization and ex- exploitation, whatever. I mean, it's gone from where you used to buy a game and then they would put out to support it for a while, and you get free DLC to now like DLC is 
is is pre-ordered and sold months and months and months before the game's even done. And so this was kind of the last bastion of of content, and 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 it's content that was created by other users. And now people are just assuming, the company and the distribution are, are monetizing. And people it. are just assuming, oh, like as soon as you introduce money into this, it's going to go the way of DLC, um, which I, I personally don't agree with. Far, far less credible than that, even, is the argument that mods have to be free because mods are shared by, you know, they're shared with and by the community. And I, I really. I, I've seen that time and time again. They're like, you know, mods are supposed to be free. Mods are supposed to be shared by the community. And I'm like, you know, that's like that shares an awfully big word because unless you're unless you're one of that very small group of people creating mods for that very large group of people to enjoy, you're not sharing jack shit. You're enjoying something that somebody else has spent potentially a lot of time making for free. And I think that you should be thankful to that person for doing that. And I don't think that you should have an expectation that that person's labor, sometimes in the hundreds of hours, should be yours for nothing. I appreciate, I'm running Skyrim right now with like 70 mods, and I appreciate everybody who's worked on that has really, really improved my gameplay experience in, in numerous ways. But I understand that it's basically, like, I am a beneficiary of their charity, you know? And I, I'm very cognizant of that. And the fact that there are people out there who are like, hey, I'd like to have a little compensation for this. I got no problem with whatsoever. I, I bought I bought two mods off the Steam Workshop just to just to support, you know, people who have done that. One of them, I, I haven't used the actual mod I bought, but I've used other mods that the author created. Now, so that I'm just just to put that out there, I personally am in favor of people being given the option to ask for compensation for their work if they want to do that. However, there are, there are complications involved in this. I think there's two things to talk about. Number one is the amount of compensation that the, that the, the mod creator actually gets as opposed to Valve or Bethesda. And do we know that? Yes, we do. And it's not okay. good. Uh, the, uh, here's the, here's the ratio. So valve gets 30% of everything, you know, cause it's their platform. They're doing the credit card transaction. They take 30%. So the 70% that's left gets split based on whatever the, the video game developer, in this case, Bethesda takes. So Bethesda is taking 45%. So they get to cho- the developer gets to choose their Correct. percentage. And they're taking, is, is Bethesda taking 45% of the 70 that's, or are they taking, Meaning, they're, meaning taking the, the 40, they're taking forty five percent overall. They're taking forty five percent. I was taking thirty yeah. percent, which means that the person who created the mod gets gets twenty five cents on the dollar. Twenty five cents out of every dollar goes to the mod creator, and a lot of people are. That's insane. I, I agree. I they get less than both of the other two parties. I do not think that that's. I don't think that that's a favorable ratio. I think that the. I think that the 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 starting point should be you know like thirty three thirty three thirty three. Um, I, I think I think you know at the starting point should be an equal split between the th- the three parties, but I would much prefer to see the mod developer get slightly more than the other two. I I, I understand that Valve you know they got they got to do the credit card transactions infrastructure. I understand Valve wanting to take a thirty percent cut. I got no problem with that. I understand that Bethesda is like hey you know they're creating something and making money off of our product, off of our intellectual property and our own 
product that we put out there. I understand that they feel that you know that that, that they deserve something out of it, but I don't think forty percent is. Uh, I don't think they deserve forty five. Forty five percent. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So so. I want to talk about that a little more, Brent. But one of the other concerns, and I don't know if this is where you were going with the next one, is is one of the other concerns I have with this, and I'm curious to get your take on it, is, uh, and again, Jim brought this up in his video, but what happens if an official release of the game, for example, an update to the game or something breaks a mod, or um, a mod, um, uh, for example, um, one mod doesn't work with another mod, but there's no real system to say, because these are, it's sort of the Wild West, there's no system to say if you buy this mod, it won't work with that mod or whatever. And so what recourse yeah. is there for consumers to, uh, to protect themselves and to get, to get money back or to... Yeah. And there is something in place for that. So right now, there's a 24-hour period. You buy the mod, you have 24 hours to, te- to, to test it, to use it, to make sure that it works. So, so that's in place if it doesn't work with some that's other correct. mod. That's so, correct. So if right. that situation were to occur, you would be able to get a refund on that mod. Now, that does not address the point that Jim makes and that you're echoing, which is right, if there's an, an update. update to the game that, uh, that, that breaks mods, which does happen. And you know, the way that it works right now, admittedly, you know, this is anecdotal for me since I wasn't actively playing Skyrim while Bethesda was actively developing it. But you look back through the update history on mods, and when a new update for Skyrim comes out, mods, you know, hey, the, you know, this mod got broken by this update, and they got to put out a new release to fix it. And so it, it creates, it's definitely going to create work for people, and traditionally that work is something that they've done just to support the, the mod that they created, but the fact that there's now sort of a customer support aspect to it, hey, I paid you. $2.50 for, you know, your make Skyrim look better mod. This new update broke it. My $2.50 is now worthless. You owe me an update to make this work with this new version of Skyrim. Although in theory, I would imagine that the financial incentive to to put a mod out there that's going to continue to work, you know, if that's going to be built in. It's like, hey, I want to keep my mod updated because I want to keep selling. And if if word gets out that my mod is broken by the new update, I don't make money. So it seems that there would and be... And people won't buy future exactly. mods. Exactly. So it seems that me. there would be incentive enough to, to do that. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's a it's a You point. would think so. So I want to go back, Brent, to this idea of what you're talking about, about the percentages. And I'm yeah. curious, you know, in all the stuff I've read, I have what I haven't heard is sort of from the modders themselves. And I haven't done a ton of research on this, but I would feel slighted with those percentages. Are there are the modders out there saying, you know, we appreciate the idea of trying to compensate us for our hard work, but this is bullshit that you guys are taking 75%, 75 cents on the dollar uh, on my work. Have you read anything no, like that? I've actually, I've actually been trying to, uh, and I, I just need to go on the, I need to go on the forums on steam because there are people talking about it there, but it's just, it's so huge to dig through that. I haven't, I haven't dived into it yet, but I know that there, uh, I know anecdotally, you know, from reading other, uh, other things, other places that, uh, you know, some people are really not cool with it. Some people are, are very up in arms, but other people who are selling their mods through the steam workshop are more, are more open to the idea, but I think that I think that we can all agree that uh, that twenty five percent is probably not where the probably not where the needle ought to be. But uh, that's exactly right. Now we saw also Brent at the beginning of this a story that came out, uh, and it's actually you know we have a link to it here where uh, one modder had to remove his mod from sale because it was actually using the assets of another modder that, who was who was uh, which was a free mod. And that Correct. that is, I think probably that's probably the most complicated part of all this because so much of 
so much of what goes on in the mod community is a person will do something, somebody else will come along, and they'll add on to it a little bit. They'll do a little bit of something. And sometimes it's as simple as, oh, so-and-so made this mod, and then I came along, and I did a mod that just builds on that. So you have to have that mod, and then my mod just you know does this other little thing with it. But sometimes it is actually, I mean, you know, people who put out mods, they'll say, hey, you know, this is a resource for modders. This particular thing that I've built can be used in other mods, you know, however you want to imagine. And so that situation where if you have not created 100% of the content in your mod yourself, if you're utilizing anything else that came before, then you got to have permission. And at least one mod was removed for that very reason. And I expect that, I mean, that's just growing pain kind of thing. You know, that's just, it's been this way and now it's different and we got to kind of get used to doing it this other way. And I think that it'll, I think that it'll be an interesting, I think that what you'll see is that there's going to be some modders who are say, uh, anybody is free to use these resources in my mod in their own mods, as long as they give it away for free. I think you're going to see a lot of that kind of thing. And I think you'll see other people who will, in fact, they will create stuff that they will sell to modders. They'll say, hey, I've created this mod. It's, it's got these resources and these can be utilized, you know, by anybody who's doing animations or stuff like that. And you're welcome to buy it and use it in your own stuff and resell it. I, I, I think that, you know, it'll go both ways. Just like so, me. Anyway. <laughs> so I will be interested to see, Brent. You know, overall, I think conceptually I'm in favor of this. I, too. I like the idea of modders being able to make money for their hard work. Um, I, you know, hopefully it will make some of the cream rise uh, to the top, although it kind of already does that anyway to a degree. Yeah. But um, what I'm uh, – what I'm – curious to see is you know jim brought up in his video this idea of like it's going to basically the whole modding community is going to turn to shit the way early access and green light have because people are out there sort of taking advantage of it and creating crap and and all this stuff and and, just just don't um, buy it just don't buy it well which is true but i but i have to say the truth is is i i don't i almost never do early access or project greenlight for that very reason. I don't either. Although, and, and because of the fact that I haven't done early access or greenlight, I don't know if that whole that whole twenty four hour window thing that they've got going on with the mods, where you can get a refund in twenty four hours, basically uh-huh. no questions asked. Just like, oh, I don't, you know, this doesn't work. You know, I don't want it. I don't like it. Whatever, it wasn't worth the I money. I don't know if they have that going on in early access or greenlight, but it seems to no. me, well, not in early access. I it, can tell you because okay, the golf club was an early and access we, game, and, and so I'm familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar with the process, and I have bought other early access games. I bought um, Flat Out, Flat Out's new game, which is called the Next Car Game right now, uh, and I know that there's not an option uh, for refunds. So no, that is not. In it place. seems to me that that 24 hour window where you can get a refund if the game is not up to snuff would fix most of the complaints about about those two things. Right about this being yeah. shit. Yeah, it's interesting. So I mean, I Brent or you, I assume are. Uh, are in favor of this yes. process for at least for conceptually now? To, to, to steal your phrase. Yes. Conceptually, I'm in favor of this. I am in favor of people being uh, financially rewarded for their creativity. If people think what they created is worthwhile, I, I'm, I'm completely in favor of that. I mean, I'm, I make uh, you know, a portion of my income that way. And so I'm very, very much in favor of it. I think that the concerns about, I think that I think the, like the philosophic concerns uh, that that doesn't really mean much to me. Uh, I don't share the view that 
that you know modding is like this haven of socialism that should you know forever remain untouched. I I, I don't have wait, a dog wait, wait, in that wait, Hold on, please don't use socialism as a dirty word. First, no, of all. I mean that's that's what people are saying. I mean, I mean, but I don't, I don't, I, I also don't think that there's a, like you know a comment like linked in one of these articles where the guys like you know modding was the last bastion of socialism that we had, and now it's being. Uh, and now it's it's being run over. I mean, I, and I think that's emblematic of of a lot of people's view. But that's also not true. You don't have to put your mods on Valve, and you can give them. You can you give you can give them away well, for yeah, free. And that's, that's the right? point that I was going to make is that you, you have the option to do a pay as you want thing on the Steam Workshop. Or free, or free, yeah, right? or free if you want to. And, yeah. and, and I, don't, I mean, I don't give a fuck about socialism in this context. I'm simply saying that people who are making a philosophic argument against this, there's nothing, there's nothing there that that's right. convincing. And I agree with that, dude. This is the, the modding community isn't beholden to gamers to give them no, free shit. To me, the the argument here is all practical. It's all about are gamers getting something worthwhile, worthwhile enough to to trade money for it? Are modders uh, you know, getting a fair deal in whatever it is that they're trying to sell. And then, you know, this whole, the mechanics of, of utilizing modded content, whether it gets broken by, you know, an official release, whether they're taking from other, you know, re- assets from other mods, those, those practical things about this are, are really where my interest lies. And I think that there's two, th- there's, there's sort of two things here that, that I just want to touch on right at the end. Number one You've been able to support, uh, like the biggest, the, probably the biggest site for mods that I'm aware of, there may be bigger, is Nexus Mods. And everything on there is free. And actually, there's an interesting exchange going on between the guy who um, who who created and runs Nexus Mods and, and Gabe Newell uh, on, that, uh, on that Reddit thread. There's some interesting back and forth between them. But the guy who created Nexus Mods, he's, he's committed to it being a free thing. Like, like he's not, like, there's not going to be paid mods on Nexus. However, they do allow donations. And, you know, a lot of people put mods up there like, hey, here's my PayPal. If you like what I do, please, you know, donate some money. And 100% of that is going to go to that mod uh, creator. And so, at least for right now, it seems that in light of that that whole, you know, 25% split thing, it seems that the donation model would be the better thing in the sense that they're going to get a hundred percent of it, but how many people actually take that step and donate? I mean, I haven't, I'm running Skyrim 70 mods. I have not yet taken that step and, and, and donated money to anybody. Although looking like thinking about the situation now, I'm sorely tempted to go back and do that because some of those mods, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with what they've done. So that's, that's one thing that's kind of interesting in light of all this. And then I got one more thing, but I'll, I'll come back to it. What was the thing that you were going to say? Oh well, there's well, there's the, one other thing I wanted to bring up, Brent, is that and, and it's only been mentioned in passing in most of the articles that I've read, is that this may also significantly drive more developers to include robust modding tools in their exactly. product. Well, that was what I was going to bring up, so it's perfect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a you are a brilliant, brilliant. Well, there's, man. There's, there's another article. There's a fourth article here uh, from Polygon. And it's written by uh, an indie developer, and I don't recall the name of the game, so I'll pull up the article and uh, and try to remember their name as well as the name of the game that they they developed. But they're talking about how excited they are about this development for the fact that they can see this potentially being something that is what saves us from shitty DLC because the community knows. The kinds of things that the community wants. I, I mean, you know, like nobody knows what Skyrim mods 
uh, people want to play more than people who develop Skyrim mods. Okay, this article on Polygon was written by Aaron San uh, Filippo, and uh, he is one of the two people who worked on a game called Race the Sun, uh, which is available on uh, on Steam. Anyway, he makes some. I, I think he makes some really interesting points from a developer standpoint about this. And he he got, kind of got his start within the industry doing some modding stuff. So he's been on that side of it too. But he talks about he talks about as a company, what if they did their next game as a free game, but made a really really robust system where people could create mods for their game? And they they did have some. They had a mod community around their game for a while, but it's waned. And he was wondering, like, how could we keep people energized in that? Well, if, you know, if there was a marketplace involved, that might be a way. And he was talking about, what if we did our next game as a free game, gave it away, had really, really robust mod support such that people are making mods for it, selling them, and we make our money off of our percentage of the mods that they sell. But really, like, we provide a platform and the community really ends up adding value to the game. And... I can see that kind of cutting both ways. I mean, I can see, like, oh, great, well, we're just going to fucking do our job for you. It's like, well, maybe, but they are giving away the game for free. So the thing about this is just how this could potentially change the business model, you know? This is what Little Big Planet does already, Brent. I mean, except they sell the game for full price. Right. So it's kind of, now that I think about it, a little bit of bullshit. But, um, they, uh, In hindsight, those guys, this is I mean. offensive. But they're essentially doing it. I mean, Little Big Planet entirely sells their games now on over 6 million levels made. And they make a five-hour campaign. And nobody walks around talking about how incredible the campaign was that Media Molecule put together. It's all about the amazing levels that the users create. Yep. Now, they don't, they don't, charge for those and make money that way but it, if, it is essentially the basis what if they did though you know, that's, they, the, that's the point what if they did right so maybe they charge 20 bucks for the game or 15 bucks right. for the game and you're paying 99 cents a level for for the levels you want what buy. if user generated content replaces dlc what if user generated content starts outselling official dlc for games because the community is creating better more interesting more valuable content than the developer is well, the truth is, is that those modders, a community is, is more able to, uh, you know, it's very hard to turn a large ship. And so the community is much more able to be responsive to community desires. Yeah. A small team of one or two or three people can easily, resp- much more easily respond to community desires than can a company. I mean, you know, a company of 50, 100, 200 people, you know, they are, they, they, they are, they do plan out DLC ahead sure. of time and, and frequently, frequently begin working on DLC weeks before the game uh, is mm-hmm. shipped. Um, and so and, and once they start working on it, you know, they may be four, six, eight weeks into the development of the DLC or more before they really have a pulse on what the gamers are wanting out of the game. And so even though they, for example, were already working on the Nightwing and Robin DLC, turns out five weeks later that everybody's crazy for Catwoman and God damn it, we should have developed Catwoman DLC, but at this point, for a company like Rocksteady, too it's too late. But but a small group of people, two people, could potentially go and, and sort of respond to that kind of that uh, feeling. Well, and and yep. just to, again, you know, just to sort of take the take the philosophy out of it for a second. I mean, we've all played games that have had bugs and been broken and so and, and so forth. What's bad about somebody from the community saying this is driving me fucking crazy? I'm going to fix it. You know, go in, find the code. Make a make a correction that fixes the game for everybody, 
everybody benefits from that. Everybody's game experience is better. God, if we could have only had that during the Batman Arkham Origins days. Well, so that's then, another, that's an then, interesting And then conundrum. they can make some money on it. Now, and I understand there's a flip side to that, which is, well, isn't it the fucking developer's job to program the game right the first time? But again, just from the practicality standpoint, if the game gets fixed so that everybody can play it, and the person who put the effort in gets a financial compensation, why not? Yeah, that's a, that's a slippery slope or kind of a rabbit hole, man. I mean, that's that idea that uh, it's one thing if you're creating additional content, and it's another thing if you're like totally, say, overhauling the UI or giving an HD texture yeah. pack. But if I have to pay 99 cents to get somebody else to fix a game that, that you broke, and like you were alluding to Batman Arkham yeah. Origins... That that while it may be worth my ninety nine cents just to get it fucking fixed, there's something like sort of fundamentally wrong with that in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like I that's paid just my that, sixty. That's, this game should fucking work. Right, fix the I, damn game breaking bug that obviously one guy in nowhere land can yeah, fix in twenty I, I minutes. I understand that, and I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to argue against that. I I felt that way about games. You, I mean, you know, we've talked about it. Um, but at the same time, there's that part of me that's there's that part of me that wishes sometimes there was that escape hatch, you know, it's just like, right. You'll pay, fuck it. I'll pay the 99 right. cents and just be done exactly. with it. And like the, the company, and I can't remember who it was now, I guess it was like WB Montreal that did, you know, Arkham Origins. I mean, they flat out said, we're not going to fix everything that's wrong with this game. We're not going to, it's like, well then fine, get out of the fucking way and let somebody else do it. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's true. It's an interesting topic. It is. So it's a very, Brent, interesting I, I think, topic. I think it's time to turn it over to the listeners. This is a, there's a lot of angles to this and I'm really curious. I know that there's going to be a lot of people uh, that are listening in this show that have a take on this on whether or not uh, you think let us know if you think that it's uh, reasonable to charge for mods and I'm curious you know if you're if you're a console player you don't play the PC and you feel disconnected from this think of it in terms of the console and what would you think if for example levels on Little Big Planet if they were charging say 99 cents a level and and uh, Media Molecule and Sony were taking a piece of that how would you feel about that um, what you know. Uh, separate from your political leanings and your, your opposition or support of socialism, <laughs> what do you think about this idea sort of philosophically? So uh, <laughs> let us know your thoughts on this subject and anything else socialist related. Okay, everybody. Those chairs that you pulled up earlier, kick them the hell over and get on the bikes and hit the road, because let's talk about some games that we've been playing this week. Uh, we're going to go first to Lauren, who is going to talk a little bit more about Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment. I hope more than you talked about last week, because I'm very anxious to hear about this game. I kind of wish I kind of wish I had reversed the order of the games I've been playing this week, because that level of enthusiasm, yes. I, I want to throw at Grand Theft Auto V, <laughs> which I'm going to talk about in a little All bit. Right. But uh, yes, Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment. So... Uh, I, I will talk about this a little more, Brent. Although I'm not, I'm not sure if it's going to be good news for you. So you hear, that's at this the point, I have my, played. That's the sound of my eyes beginning to to well up with tears. Yeah. Well, you already did. You not? You already got this game for I free. Do. Did I just you haven't not? played it. Yeah. So I mean, it's certainly, of course, you know, it's worth it's worth your time. It's interesting. I, I cannot. So I finished the first case in the game. There's six total cases mm-hmm. in the game. I cannot decide if I'm going to keep playing it or not. To be honest uh, with you, so not what I wanted to hear. The, The issue with this game is, uh, so they do some very interesting things. There's multiple, multiple different uh, aspects to solving the case. So you have to talk to people and interview them. Uh, You have to, like, examine clues at a scene. Uh, You have to sort of 
kind of travel all over the city to different locations and interrogate uh, prisoners. You have to, um, th- there's a sort of, uh, I don't know, I kind of describe them like thought bubbles a little bit where you have to make decisions about whether or not you think that, um, you know, whatever piece of information you just uncovered incriminates somebody or absolves them or could have happened accidentally or not. Um, and then ultimately you have to, uh, you have to accuse somebody. And every time I do it, I, I feel the absolute need in the library. Uh, no, no. With the candlestick. <laughs> for me, for me, it's every time I do it, I feel the, the incessant need to out to vocally out loud scream. J'accuse. <laughs> every time I do it, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Uh, so there are multiple mechanics yeah. here, and it's very interesting. The acting is 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 very good. Um, uh, it, it graphically is 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 interesting. The UI is very very good for uh, for what it is. The issue I have with the game at this point is I, I I don't feel like I'm truly investigating it in the context of um and this is the classic sort of telltale sign of this, and it drives me nuts in games is that um. It makes no. Di- it seems to make no difference in what order I ask questions, um, meaning they they don't close off, and so uh, and it kind of feels that way with everything in the game. Like the game forces like there's you. There's no way to fail. Right, and, and and if if you, I mean, if you fail, it sort of restarts you right right there immediately over, and so the game like forces you to find all the clues in a given yeah. area, uh, and. In, Till you find all the clues in that area, you're not going to be able to progress to the next thing. Ah, um, with some, with some exception, and the exception, uh, did, I can't remember, Brent. Did I describe the ring thing that happened to me I last week so. with the, with the engraving inside the ring? I don't think so. No. Listen, so this is you might have described it, and I might have just not been listening to you. So it's for possible. my benefit, go um, ahead again. So, so this is this is a minor, minor, minor spoiler in the first case. So, um, so. When I say that you can't continue on without finding everything in the room, it's it's sort of not true in the sense that I can leave the area, but nothing else will open up. And so you're left. So so I, I was one of the things I had to do was like I had to go look at this guy who'd been arrested. His belongings were in the evidence room. I go into the evidence room. They're sitting in a drawer. It's very simple. There's like three things there. I look at those three things. One of them is a ring. I, I pick up the ring, and I can see an engraving inside the ring that says, um, uh, my friend forever from Rowan, or whatever it was. Uh, and, and now, sorry, Rowan, I'm using your name. Um, so, not that Rowan. Not, not Outlaw uh, Hammer so, Rowan. Different person. So, so I saw this on the inside of the ring, and I read the inscription, and in my mind I went, aha, that says, you know, from you know, J.R. Rowan or something. And so, oh, J.R.R., I had seen those initials else. before. Yeah, and so I made Lord a connection. Books. Keep talking. The, so that's, no. So I leave this area. I spend the next 20 minutes going back and forth to every location I have been because I can't find the thing that will trigger me being able to move forward okay. in the story. Right, so I'm going back and forth and back and forth, and I know there's one little that detail that I've that I've missed yeah. somewhere that's keeping me from from going to the next um, uh, objective, and it's driving me insane. And I have no idea what it is. I'm going all over town, loading screen from here Seems to there. Clunky. Finally, I decide to look it up on the internet, and I look it up on the internet, and it says you have to actually click on the what? inscription. So it's it, it wasn't good enough. That, wait, it gets better. It wasn't good enough How that I read the inscription myself. Point? Just wait. Uh, so 
You're, you're going to freak out. Hold on. Uh, sit down. So it wasn't good enough that I just read the inscription, but I had to tell the game that Sherlock Holmes had read the inscription, <laughs> right? By clicking on it. <laughs> so, Brent, <clears throat> so I did this. So I go back. I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah. I go back. I pick up the ring. And I click on, I, I, I manip, turn it and manipulate it just so, so the cursor is over it and the cursor highlights green. And I go, okay, so I had to click on it. And I click on it and then I leave and I go try and do the thing I'm supposed to do. And I can't do it. And I'm like, you're shitting yeah. me. And I have not opened up my new objective. And if you're bored by this story, Brent, I'm, I'm trying to take you on the emotional journey Listen, that I, I experienced I, because I, it was I'm right like. there with you. I am riveted by your dissatisfaction. It was like 30 minutes. And so I go back out and I'm doing this like over this and over again. I'm going from place to place. I'm like, all right, that must not have been the only thing I missed. There must have been right. something else. Another 15 minutes. Can't figure it out. I go back to the Internet and I read it more carefully. And it says that you have to. So the inscription reads your friend forever. J.R.R. Rowling or whatever. And so now and it's Harry Potter have to, author. I knew it. I'm just making shit up. That was uh, so. So you have to actually that sentence is actually when you look at it with the cursor over it is broken into three parts. So you have to highlight and click on your friend. Then you have to highlight and click on the word forever. And then you have to highlight and click on the, the person's name. To indicate to the game that Sherlock Holmes has read the things. entire ascription. That's right. Um, now, that did not happen frequently, Brent. That, that was the only like instance of that absolute ridiculousness right. in the case. But it was also the only time in the entire case that I felt like I wasn't sort of being handheld. Like, I just ask all the questions. Just look at every right. single thing on the guy's body, and you'll recognize it. Just click That's- on every clue in there, and there's like, a, there's like a highlight vision, that like Batman's detective vision almost, that highlights the clues. That, and- that's the struggle with these games is... Uh, and uh, you, you and I talked about this with L.A. Noir, is finding that balance between... No way to fail. Just just hold on to our hands, and we're going to lead you through this. And it's it's so like fucked that you actually fail the you, case. That you cannot that you cannot win. It, that's the thing. Like 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 the, the whole. I mean, gameplay in general is like this. Like the whole point of gameplay in general is making you feel as though you can competently do something that you cannot do. You know, I am no good whatsoever in you know with like like submachine guns in close quarters combat situations, right? But video games make me feel as though uh, I, I, I'm, I'm adequate at that. You know, like I'm no good with like a two-handed sword beating trolls over the head, you know, but video games make me feel as though I can. Finding that groove where a video game can make you feel as though you are actually solving a mystery yourself by giving you just enough to, you know, to keep you moving in the right direction I have to imagine that it's not easy to do, or people would be doing it well. And oh, it's interesting when you describe it that way, Brent, because I would I would say after hearing you describe it that way, that in a game like this, in a detective video game, it's actually a fundamentally different paradigm. Because in in the case of the detective game, I have to wonder is is the the way it's to make you know the way it is in a shooter to make you feel like you're good at shooting yeah. a gun in a detective thing like this. Aren't you actually solving it? Aren't you intellectually doing the same things you would do in the real world? And therefore, shouldn't they be trying to actually maybe have you yeah, solve maybe. it? Maybe that's the, but I mean, that's the thing. It depends on you as a person. It depends on, you know, are you a critical thinker? Do you notice details? I, I mean, you know, everybody's coming into this with, you know, their own, you know, with their own apparatus, their mind. 
And, of course, and, you know, yes. and everybody looks at situations differently. So, you, like things that are going to be obvious to to say me, you might you might see and have a completely different context for because of you know whatever cultural differences, upbringing. You know, you know, you you see a mason jar and you think apple butter, and I see a mason jar and I think moonshiners. Ah, this guy's this guy's a moonshiner. You know, I got to look into that connection. You know, whatever. So that's that's the thing. It's a really difficult. It's it's difficult to you know to kind of. Uh, to to just compensate for the disparity in how people might come to yeah, that. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 a challenging genre but for sure. That's the thing. I so want I so want somebody to get this right. I so want to to play a game like this where I go through the game and I really feel like I fucking solved that murder, you know? Uh, because I, I find that so rewarding. And there were moments in L.A. Noir where I got close to that, where I kind of thought, oh, man, this is really cool. And then there's other moments in L.A. Noir where it's like, oh, no, like all I'm doing is just like clicking on this and this and this and this and this, and then the game tells me what to do next. Yeah, and I so I, I can't decide, Brent, like I, if I feel like it's worth playing a second right. case to see if it gets any better. I, you know, I'd be curious to hear if anybody in the audience has actually played this game to this completion. Thing on iPad. It, if they, mm, I don't Let's know. See. I'm sorry. Keep going. I don't know that it's not going to change your experience, really. But, no, but um, I was just thinking I could I could uh, play this while you're talking about it. And um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it, it's I'm not sure if I'll play another one, Brent. And, and, and that also may be part and parcel to uh, getting back into GTA and then The Witcher coming in just a few weeks. Right. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't tell you right now that it's 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 an amazing game. It, it feels like it's a a little little too handholdy for my life. Is there like a difficulty setting that you could adjust that would change that? Not that I've okay. seen. Um, they give you so, for example, every once in a while they have um, uh, sort of uh, different puzzles. You arm wrestle a guy is something you never had done before in the game. It's a totally different yeah. mechanic, and they give you an option right there on screen to just outright skip it. That's interesting. And if and if you do it. It's how you gain information. So you can't progress without winning, but it's very challenging in a very different way. And so they give you the option to literally just say skip and they'll just give you the information. But I haven't seen any other sort of difficulty adjusters in the game. Well, uh, a mixed bag then, to be sure. For my yep. own part, it's more Skyrim for me. Uh, I have Skyrim. nothing but Skyrim. Uh, I have sworn off at this point basically all side quests. People keep coming to me. It's, you got to play it that way. You got to play it that like, way. This is how badass I am, right? I'm getting couriers from cities that I have not yet visited, and they're like, hey, come be my Thane, and, and, and come to my city and do stuff for me, and I'll make you a Thane, and, and like, I'll give you property and money and, 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 all, you know, and sexual favors and all the stuff that your heart could desire. Just come to my city. And I'm like, No. Because I have one mission and one mission only, and that is to eradicate the son of a bitch named Alduin. And I think I'm closing in on on actually doing that. At this point, minor spoiler warning. At this point, I have acquired the Elder Scroll that I need in order to... In order to travel back in time, presumably, is what's going to happen. That's, that's what the game's leading me to believe. But I've, I've got the Elder Scroll, and supposedly I'm going to go take this somewhere. I'm going to read the Elder Scroll. I'm going to go back in time, and I'm going to uh, stop the catastrophe from ever occurring or some such like that. So, or so, yeah, so, so I think. So at least right now, it feels as though I'm kind of moving into the final bit of business. But obviously, there's lots of twists and turns. I've played this game for 60 hours at this point. Actually, a little more. I think I'm like maybe like 62 
But uh, the point is that I am I am ready to be done with the main story. I've got no problem at all just tooling around in this game, doing fun stuff. But um, I really I really would like to get through the main story at this point so that I can have some sense of closure and then move on to Alien Isolation before The Witcher 3 comes out. Uh, I, I love that you are so into Skyrim. I absolutely Dude, love I'm it. I'm having so much fun. Brent, for the first time in the history... In the history of this show, I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, I actually have real live breaking news. No way, really? Oh, please. Yes, real live breaking news. So I I don't know what it was, but I, you know, we always have the the Outlaw Gamer Society website up while we're doing the podcast, and I noticed a fresh post there entitled Valve Has Removed Paid Mods Functionality from Steam Workshop. Well, how about that? Huh? So basically, Valve completely fucked you and I, completely invalidated the entire discussion we were having today. Thanks, Valve! <laughs> you no, sons I, of bitches. I think it, I, I think it still is, is, a, uh, is, a, is a discussion worth having, and people can check it out. I think we'll add this, uh, this link to the, to the fray and let people um, make comments as they see fit. Uh, it, it is interesting. They did it with the blessing of Bethesda, and it says... Uh, that I, I think one of the f- things early in the article says uh, there's a quote here from Valve employee Alden Kroll that says, uh, "quote We've done this because it, it's done this meaning removed the uh, removed the paid functionality. We've done this because it's clear we didn't understand exactly what we were doing, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is awesome. Uh, we haven't read any more of it, yeah. so we're not going to read it now. But go ahead and check it out. Uh, throw your conversation, throw that into the conversation, and let us know what you think. I'm breaking so- news, Brent. I'm so glad that you did that because had you not done that, we would have released this episode and everybody would have been like, "Hey, they stopped doing that like two two hours." before you release this show and we're like that's why we didn't talk about it so we seem much much more awesome this way where we would have seemed very very lame the other way so good work lauren this is how connected we are this is how close to the pulse of gaming we are we are up to the minute coverage and also i was going to say mostly this is about our audience being really badass actually that's true and us just having the good foresight to listen to what they're saying that's exactly right. It's All right. That. Uh, to get back to the road, Brent, I did have one more game this week, and uh, that is GTA Five. I fired the game up. I haven't played it since uh, moving back to the United States. I actually played it PS4, since... PS4, uh, right? PS4? PS, PS4 version. Okay. Uh, my buddy Aaron picked up the PC version. He asked me if it was worth the money. I told him it was one of the better games ever made. Uh, he picked it up, and he's been going nuts for the game. Uh, and so it has inspired me to pick up GTA Five, and I called him about... Oh, two hours after I had... What was I doing? I was <laughs> I was driving Franklin around doing stupid paparazzi missions. Nice. Which are super annoying, but totally entertaining. I've done those. Uh, and I called, I called Aaron up, and I was like, so tell me again why I play any other video game ever made <laughs> other than this video game, because it is so damn good. I'll tell you why, because they don't have horses in that video game. They don't, and I, God damn it, if they announce a Red Dead 2 but a E3, mod, I'm going to But a mod out. for GTA 5 might just add horses. It might. See, um, I want the PC version, because I watched that mod of the guy who was dropping uh, whales, whales all over Los Santos, crushing cars and people, causing havoc and destruction. And I said, well, there you go. i got to have the PC version now, because version, I, whales aren't falling out of the sky in that version, Lauren. And that is exactly the problem with that game. I have, I have, I am, I have not refused to watch any of that stuff because I cannot buy the game for a third time. I can't do it. You say that, Lauren, 
but you can. You totally uh, can. I will. I'll buy it when it when it gets down cheaper. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, dude, I put like I put I fired this thing up. I played like three hours of it. It is such a brilliant freaking game. I draw. I'm replaying. I'm still catching up to where I was on the PS3 version. I believe. Oh no, actually, maybe I'm not. Mm. Um, but uh, I just love every character in this game. I mean, it's so. I cannot believe how good this game is and how like how robust and big and how much there is to do and i can't even imagine like i'm freaking out at the prospect of the witcher being a a similarly styled game that was created several years you know a few years down the road and 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 what they how they might may have iterated on it and brent i i hope to i'm hoping against hope that they announce red dead 2 at e3 this year me too i listen I'll just settle for them announcing Red Dead for PC at E3 this year. I'll take that, you know, even over anything. But God, I want Red Dead 2 on PC. Damn you guys. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, so it's brilliant. I, I don't really have much else to say about GTA 5. I still have not checked out the online, the heist, any of that stuff. Yeah, um, we got to play that. But, That's pretty fun. But the game is just incredible. So, uh, And with that, Brent, I think we have finally, at long last, this is a good, good, good long episode for folks. That's right. Uh, reached the end of the episode. That might and be so the usual, title, Good and Long. <laughs> as usual, we will ask for all of our listeners out there, all of the outlaws, to chime in and let us know your thoughts on all the subjects we touched on today, whether it's GTA V, Skyrim, Sherlock Holmes, Crime and Punishment, um, Valve and their... Uh, wanton money mongering <laughs> tactic of charging for mods and then apparently and reversing then the sudden reversal <laughs> that's right um, or what we talked about uh, while we were hanging out in the garage uh, the new trailer for Batman and the announcement of some new mechanics in that game including character switching uh, the cancellation of Silent Hills uh, how The Witcher 3 is embracing both veterans and newcomers and of course the first trailer we talked about the Mad Max gameplay let us know what your thoughts are on those subjects and anything else related to the world of video games and video game entertainment. Uh, as usual, he is Brad Adams. I am Lauren Baumgarten. And remember, you don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. 